welcome to Wisconsin DNR's Wild Wisconsin Off the Record Podcast. Information straight from the source. Wisconsin Off the Record podcast. As a reminder for everyone listening, this gives us an opportunity to kind of delve more onto the information side of things. Uh, for everyone who's watched the, the web series on YouTube, we hope that's been a great resource for you. Um, this is going to go into a little more detail um, on some of the stuff we covered there. So whether you're in the car listening or at home, we hope this is helpful for you. Um, today we've actually got a very special guest. We've got Chief Warden Todd Schaller. Uh, along with myself, Sawyer Briel, uh, with Fish, Wildlife, and Parks Division, and Eric Barber, our social media coordinator. Before we get started, I just wanted to thank our sponsors, Legendary Whitetails, Mayville Engineering Company, and Vortex Optics. Uh, without them, this wouldn't be possible, For so thanks for your support. So just as an overview today, before we get started, so today we're going to cover uh, kind of a number of things. First off, we're going to start out with what every hunter wants to know what's new for this year's hunt. Uh, we're gonna go into kind of what a, a warden's key work is uh, with hunters in the field, why be a warden, um, things like that. And we're also gonna get Todd's craziest deer season story <laughs> at the end, so stay tuned for that. So why don't we get started? Yeah, so uh, first off, we got a lot of new stuff this year, and especially today with some of the new tagging stuff. So. Chief, if you could just kind of talk about some of the new stuff this year that hunters can expect from, you know, what's what's new that they need to have in mind before heading into the woods. Sure. Um, and you're right. There are a lot of changes, and probably the biggest one, particularly for our deer and turkey hunters, um, going into effect today, is that uh, they no longer have to uh, validate and or attach their carcass tag to a, a deer or a turkey if mm -hmm. they're successful um, during their hunt. So. Um, that's really the big takeaway of that. Um, they still have to have a license. They still have to have a license that authorizes them to hunt in, in that deer management unit on that land type for public versus private and um, for the you know the, a buck or a doe depending upon what they're, they're authorized to do. So um, they have to have that. They have to carry a proof of that. Mm -hmm. um, nice thing is now they have some additional options. In the past they had to carry their paper product uh, but now they can carry a, a validated Wisconsin driver's license if that's tied to their, their license mm -hmm. profile. Conservation card if they have purchased one of those and, and use that. They can have the, the paper product if they want to continue to carry that. Or they could uh, use a, 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 the go wild information on their cell phone, um, which awesome. is probably becoming more and more uh, popular for uh, folks. So they one less thing to carry. Mm -hmm. And it makes it a little easier, too. We've heard a lot of people, you know, saying that when they get the paper tag wrapped around an antler, around the ear, gets wet, this just kind of removes that from the process and makes it a little easier. It does. It, it, it really makes it much simpler, less complicated for our hunters, even, you know, experienced hunters and, and brand new hunters mm -hmm. who are coming into the, the, the world of hunting. So, yep. you know, a, a big piece of this 
is though that you know we sh we're still required to register our harvest um, uh, both deer and turkey and and that's a, a key piece for our hunters you know uh, the reason we have hunting seasons is to help manage our deer population across the state um, by registering it it gives our wildlife uh, professionals the tools they need um, to manage deer herds set permit levels for the following season so can't stress enough the importance of registering your, your harvest so for for our archery and crossbow hunters and uh, any gun hunters who already bought their license thanks for getting it early by the way they have these tags at home so what what should they do with them really they, they, they just need to carry them they don't have to change them they don't have to try to go to a DNR office and you know trade them in or do anything they, they already have their authorizations um, so they just need to carry them with them while they're hunting if they're successful and hopefully they are um, they're, they're good to go again they don't have to validate don't have to attach so just to wrap this one up so I'm I'm in the woods I shoot a deer the deer's down uh, I walk up to it I field dress it what what do I do you're, you're good to go. I mean, I would recommend at that point, if you're there, to call it in and register it, and that way you're done with your, your whole process. Um, mm -hmm. Otherwise, you're, you're able to, to head on home or, or continue hunting if you have additional tags. Um, but the big thing is, again, don't forget to, to register it. Okay. Well, that, that sounds easier. Yeah, and we talk about that all the time from the registration perspective, that, that if, if hunters want to really contribute to the longevity of the health of, you know, the overall deer herd, turkey population, whatever it may be, first thing they need to do is take into consideration registering their deer every single time because that's their direct you know line of of assistance i guess to our program mm -hmm. so. so i guess getting into the next big one for this year baiting and feeding so so what do hunters need to know uh going into the hunt for baiting and feeding this year um again another change that we experienced this year with the baiting and feeding and basically the areas that where baiting and feeding was prohibited in the past have have changed from last year. So the, the first thing is, um, and our, our pamphlet doesn't reflect the, the current laws because the change came after our pamphlet came out. So um, go on, go to, go to our DNR website, determine where you're going to hunt, and based on that, determine whether you're allowed to bait or feed. And really what happened was areas in the past where baiting and feeding was prohibited some areas in the past for baiting and it was feeding and it was prohibited. You can now use bait for hunting purposes or feed for uh, viewing purposes. Mm -hmm. So, um, again, a big piece of hunting is being familiar with the rules, being familiar with the changes, and that's, that requires you to check the website, check a regulation pamphlet. Mm -hmm. And for people listening, you can type in keywords baiting and feeding, and that'll take you to that page. So uh, that's going to tell you all you need to know to make sure um, you're following all the rules in the woods this year. So Eric, do you want to handle handle the third one here, third big change? Yeah, so I think it's also, um, shoot, sorry about that. Sorry so about tree that. stands. So what changed with tree stands this year? Sure. Um, change with tree stands is in the past uh, on state property, state-owned and managed property, DNR property, um, you were required to take your tree stand off the property, couldn't leave it in the tree, um, at the end of the hunting day. Mm -hmm. um, so the change is, um, for part of the state, north of Highway 64, hunters are allowed to leave their stands up on, on the, that state-owned property um, throughout the season. So once the season starts, they can put their stand up. Um, they have to take it down at the end of the season. Um, they do have to either provide their customer ID or name and address on the, the, the tree stand so mm -hmm. it's identifiable. Um, 
again, I think it, it makes it a little bit easier for our hunters who hunt public property. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, from an agency perspective, this will give us a sense of, you know, does this change the dynamic of state property use? And, and maybe we'll see how it goes north of 65, 64, excuse me. You know, maybe at some point that expands broader across the state. Yeah, and I know one question that I've seen a lot that, you know, we've kind of talked about is how... A lot of hunters have had questions if they come on a tree stand and let's say it's in their favorite spot and it's on public property do you have any advice for how to handle those situations because we've had people asking you know well if it's in my favorite tree that i want to be in can i go up in that tree stand could you just kind of expand on that a little you bit know, yeah that's a good question and that that was probably one of the concerns when we talked about expanding our tree stand mm -hmm. opportunities is you know saving places reserving places so the tree stand itself is actually private property, um, mm -hmm. even though it's on a public area. Um, so to go into the stand, to remove the stand, that, you know, now you're, you're messing with somebody's private property. Mm -hmm. So in the situation you laid out, um, you know, a couple options. One is you can find a new favorite spot. You know, right. Maybe move to a different area, maybe a better area, do a little more scouting. Yep. If, if you really want to hunt in that particular area and, and nobody's there and, and you have, want to take, take advantage of that morning or afternoon, um, you know, find a different tree. Mm -hmm. If the tree allows a couple stands, you could probably do that. But when you, when you think about what hunting is about and responsibility and ethics, you know, I think you're starting to cross some of those lines. And I would recommend either moving or finding a different different yeah. tree in that area. Yep. Yeah, you touched on ethics there, and I think that's a big thing for all hunters to kind of take into consideration. We're all on the same team here, and if we can just work together, that's going to make our lives as hunters a lot easier. Mm -hmm. So. Mm -hmm. Yep, so I think those were three of the biggest changes, at least for this year. So we hope that was helpful for you. Um, so with the tags, since that's such a recent change, uh, I don't know what today's date is. Is it the 20... 22nd today. So yep. September 22nd, so when we say it changed today, we're, we're referencing kind of late September. So if you have the physical regs at home, the deer regulations, these changes aren't going to be in there. So you need to go on our website. We're working on updating it right now. So that is going to be your best resource uh, to find the changes. Also, be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, we're going to have more videos with Chief coming out um, and also sharing some more informational type stuff for you, one-pagers and things like that. So really, it's important that you kind of rely on the web uh, moving forward this year because that's where you're going to get the most up-to-date changes. So we covered that. So let's get into kind of more of the, the warden side of things. So, Todd, what would you say overall a warden's role is at DNR? Because there are a lot of, a lot of preconceptions, sure. misconceptions, conceptions of all kinds out there. So You know, our, our goal as a, the warden service at the Department of Natural Resources is, is really voluntary compliance. It's we want people to know the laws. We want people to follow the laws. That's, that's our ultimate goal. Mm -hmm. um, and, we, you know, we, we take a lot of approaches with that. A big part of what we do, and I think people don't recognize it or see it, is we, we really focus on educating and, and working with our hunters so they know what the rules are. And the vast majority of people, if they know what the rules are, they want to follow them. Yep. Um, we come across situations where uh, we, you know, there are rule violations. We assess that um, depending upon, you know, what happened, why, you know, we, we can take enforcement action. Enforcement action is everywhere from, you know, a verbal warning, hey, here's the rule, quit doing it that way, or a citation if somebody, you know, if that's, if that's a, a needed element of, of that particular circumstance. Um, but it, you know, our, our 
a big piece of this is really trying to work with the public, um, making sure they understand. And oftentimes we try to explain the why behind the law. So, right. you know, wh why, why can I only shoot, you know, one deer? Well, our deer population numbers only sustain, uh, sustain that level. Or why can't I, um, uh, you know, put five gallons of bait out? Well, we have concerns about, you know, disease and disease mm -hmm. spreading. So mm -hmm. it's, it's really a, a, a role is to be an ambassador for the department. And, and be an ambassador for conservation and natural resources. Yeah, absolutely. And that even kind of goes into our next thing that we got on this list is how wardens are a resource to hunters in the field. And that's one thing that I've always thought, you know, just my own personal beliefs, if I'm going to look to somebody for advice on, you know, maybe a new public hunting spot, what better person to go to than the guys that are out there in the field every day? So could you just kind of expand on that a little bit? Like how, how wardens are resources to hunters and anybody you know, enjoying our, our natural resources outside, sure. hunter or not. Yeah, absolutely. Again, you know, we're there to work with the public. So if folks have questions, we can answer those questions. Um, probably the biggest thing, and, I, and I, we've all go through it, you know, you see a, a, a uniform and a badge, and you right away think, oh, what am I doing wrong? Mm -hmm. and why are they here? And Hopefully that you, you kind of break through that. Um, you know, we, we, we have a lot of contacts with folks just to check their license, mm -hmm. We chit chat about the weather, what they're seeing, what they're not seeing. Maybe provide some tips on where they they, yep. they might have some success. Mm -hmm. um, so we're a resource for the people, but I think a, a big piece of that is we rely on the people and the public and the hunting community to help us. Mm -hmm. You know, we have 148 field wardens roughly across the state of Wisconsin, and can't be everywhere, seeing everything, monitoring everything. So we rely on the public to help us. They see violations, see problems. You know, they can call the DNR hotline, 1-800-TIP-WDNR, mm -hmm. and let us know. And then we can investigate it and make sure, you know, folks are doing things mm -hmm. the right way. It's about protecting the resource um, and, and making sure people have a safe safe outdoor experience. Yeah. And to give people some perspective, too, so that's 148 wardens, and I think our 10-year average for license holders is right around 700,000. So can you talk why that? That might make the tip line that much more important. Um, things you guys might be doing with social media now, and just kind of relying on hunters to kind of—I don't want to say self-police, but kind of being that resource in the field to know that when something's wrong, there are things they can do to kind of. Sure. You know, a lot of times, folks, that you, you go to a hunter education course and you talk, and people say, "Well, what can I do to help?" And I always say, "Well, the first thing is follow the rules. Um, mm -hmm. That's a big first step." That's an easy one. Yeah, that's an easy one. <laughs> And then two, like you said, if, if you see violations, um, in, you know, let us know. Call the hotline. You can, you can forward through Facebook. We, you can text a tip in, uh, mm -hmm. which is, a, you know, obviously with technology, that's a great way. The neat thing with texting is you can take a photo. Absolutely. Um, say somebody shot off the road. You know, it's a safety violation. We're concerned about public health and safety. You see the vehicle, take a picture of the license plate, send it to us. Now we can investigate that. So, yeah. um, very helpful yeah, for us. For again, we're spread pretty thin. Mm -hmm. and, and in the description of this video, we'll put all that info. So, yeah, anyone absolutely. watching, you can get the tip line info. Um, it's also on our website, so you can find that in a lot of places. So, a lot of this is us relying on you to help out. And and would you say the advent of like smartphones and social media has 
made you guys a little bit more efficient and a little more nimble? I, I would agree. Um, I think that the technology that we have today, um, in a couple ways, from the public perspective, it, you know, it provides them easy tools to check the rules. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're sitting out in your deer stand and you think, oh, what time does it, it close today? Well, you can quickly look on the website and say, hey, mm -hmm. it closes at 4.54 today. Mm -hmm. um, if you see a violation, um, you can, you know, report it through the tip line. Yep. If you have a question, you could you, you could go online if you want and email our, our call center or call our call center. Mm -hmm. So a lot of great tools for our, our customers and our users, but they're great tools for us too as, as wardens. You know, we have yeah. access to real-time data related to license sales, um, uh, an individual's license profile, their harvest information. Mm -hmm. So a lot of great tools. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So, and then Wisconsin, I don't have the figures offhand, but Wisconsin historically is an incredibly safe place to hunt, especially deer. So can you talk a little bit about whether from hunter safety to field contacts, kind of what you and your staff are doing to kind of make sure that continues? Sure. Probably the, the, the biggest thing that has influenced or had an impact on hunter safe, safe hunting in the state of Wisconsin has been our, our dedicated and committed volunteer instructors who teach hunter safety. Mm -hmm. um, have about 4,000 of them across the state um, who, you know, volunteer hours, hundreds of hours in some cases mm -hmm. to make sure our new hunters get off on the right foot and understand the importance of, of uh, tr treating every firearm as if it's loaded always pointing the muzzle in a safe direction, being sure of your target and what's beyond and keeping your finger off the trigger mm -hmm. until you're ready to shoot. So that's a big part of why Wisconsin's so safe to hunt. Um, you know, in our field contacts, when we find folks um, who, you know, are, are mishandling guns, again, we, we try to educate them. It's, it's about making sure they go home safe and their hunting, partner, mm -hmm. their hunting partners go home safe. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And Eric and I were just talking about this too, kind of stemming from that is, um, the warden recruitments are always incredibly popular. And when I say recruitments, I say uh, when a job opens to be a warden, a lot of people are, are applying. So why, why do you think that is? Well, I, th I think it's the best job. That's right. why. Yeah. It's, easy. it's an easy answer. you got to look at the camera <laughs> yeah. point for that one. <laughs> no, it, it's a great job. Um, you know, I think we have a lot of people who are interested in natural resources, interested in conservation because of maybe they hunt, fish, camp. Um, and I, from a law enforcement perspective, one thing I always say is our job is much different than a traditional police officer in most mm -hmm. cases. So, you know, we have, in a year, we have probably nearly 200,000 contacts across the state of Wisconsin. And the vast majority of them, there's not a problem, there's not a violation. You know, where we check somebody's license and chit-chat, like I say, mm -hmm. about the weather and their hunt, um, and we go on our way. So that's a neat part. Um, we are law enforcement officers, and we're trained, and we do get involved in some sticky and dangerous situations, but so much of our day is not really about that. Um, plus, the job is so diverse. You know, what we do on a daily basis changes, um, changes from season to season. In the summer, we're out in the boats checking our fishermen and our boaters. Come fall and deer season, you know, we're out um, on public lands, you know, making sure our hunters are complying with the, the hunting rules mm -hmm. and violations. So... We do. We get a lot of interested folks, um, and uh, a, a big piece of what we look for when we hire folks is a, is a passion and an interest in natural resources, and folks who have character and values that align <coughs> with um, the law enforcement role and, and align with what we believe here at the Department of Natural yeah. Resources. 
I guess kind of stemming from that, what advice would you give somebody who's kind of looking to pursue that as a career path? I know we just wrapped up the latest recruitment, and we had a lot of people reaching out with that question. So I think this would be a great opportunity to kind of give that. You know, it really depends upon where a person is in their, their life. I mean, if you're, if you're a high school student, you know, I think trying to take uh, classes that tie back to conservation and maybe getting involved in FFA and, and uh Maybe volunteering as a, a, a hunter education instructor, mm-hmm. a boater instructor, snowmobile instructor. We do offer ride-alongs for folks. Um, so if, if someone's 16 years of age or older, um, they can register and sign up with us through our website for a ride-along opportunity. Mm-hmm. And it's a neat way to spend a part of a day, a few hours with a, a field warden out in their, their vehicle mm-hmm. of choice that particular yeah. day, ask questions, see what we do, see what the job's really about. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, awesome. Yep, and so for anyone listening, I think there are a lot of resources for you to kind of to kind of get into this field. So to wrap up, Warden, incredibly popular job, tons of people apply. So you're getting you're getting the cream is rising to the top. So the people that are out there in the field talking to you, providing for your safe hunt, those are those are the best of the best. So you should feel good uh, when you're in the field with those wardens. So and I kind of mentioned right at the beginning that there may be some preconceptions, misconceptions about wardens and obviously law enforcement overall, and that could be four separate podcasts. We could probably talk about that mm-hmm. forever, but the analogy I like to use, um, I go home for deer hunting a lot, and people say, oh, I have this this warden, man, I just don't like him. Like, And the analogy I use is when someone says they may not like a police officer, you ask them why, and they say, because I got a speeding ticket. And it's the kind of the same thing with conservation wardens. It said, well, why? What's wrong? He said, well, he busted me for a violation, or he busted my second cousin's uncle's brother for a baiting violation four years ago. So I think that kind of speaks to kind of the personality you need for this job. So you talked about why it's cool to be a warden. So can you kind of touch on why it's so difficult to be a warden sometimes? Yeah, well, it's, I think it's difficult, you know, uh, on a national scale. It, it is considered one of the most dangerous law enforcement jobs in, there is. Um, mm-hmm. we, we work alone. Um, we don't necessarily, you know, like we're in the city of Madison, you know, we don't have backup who's minutes away. Sometimes mm-hmm. we have backup, you know, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, an hour or more, depending upon where we are in the state. Um, we work in a, um, you know, in, outdoors. So we work in a, a you know, in a, we have the environmental challenges, you know, in the wintertime on the frozen lakes, um, you know, backcountry northern Wisconsin and our, our national forest and those type of things. So mm-hmm. the environment we work in, the fact that we work alone, and, and really every person we contact for the most part has a weapon. Mm-hmm. Um, fishermen have knives, hunters all have guns. Um, so those are the things that kind of make it from a safety perspective very challenging. Um, and, our, and our folks, you know, are aware of that. They, 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 they do things to eliminate or reduce those risks. Um, and a, a big part is, you know, the people we talk to and deal with, they're all recreating. They're all having fun. And sometimes when we, we come in and, and want to talk to them, mm-hmm. it's like, wow, well, you're spoiling our fun. Well, mm-hmm. we're not there to spoil your fun. We're making sure that you're doing it right. We're making sure that you're not doing it in a way that's going to put anybody at risk and make mm-hmm. it unsafe or, or damage our resource. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So we've talked about the good and the bad. So kind of your elevator speech, why do it? Why should someone want to be a warden? Um, it, it, for one, it, it, it's a job. It's it's a job where you have an impact, 
and I, and I tell folks, and we just had a meeting the other day, I tell folks, you know, every single day you, you impact people. Um, you know, you make a contact with a, a young, a brand new hunter and, and take a little bit extra time and talk about, you know, maybe a good spot for them to hunt. And maybe they go to that spot and, and they, they harvest a deer. They'll never forget that, mm-hmm. you know. We get involved in, in teaching youth. Um, we, we find lost hunters, you know, that's an impact. Um, we, we get involved in events for wounded warriors and veterans and, you know, disabled and terminally ill programs. So we have such an, an impact on people and, and, and most of it's a positive impact. Mm-hmm. I think that's, that's a reason why. And the, and the fact that if you're passionate about natural resources, you have an impact on that too and protecting it for the future yeah mm-hmm. and i think that kind of leads right into our next one um you talked about like working with the public and hunters specifically could you kind of expand on a maybe an instance where you worked with a hunter and kind of had a rewarding experience like that uh, a couple ways i think one is and, and i'll speak generally anytime we have a the public notify us of a violation and we're able to take that information and address the concern that they have know that in itself is rewarding mm-hmm. um, you know that the, we they provided us the information we were able to, to follow up on it and correct it or, or hold the people accountable if that was the necessary mm-hmm. step that's rewarding for us every single day when we get involved in those situations um, you know I it, it, just the the contacts we have the conversations we have I think are rewarding in themselves mm-hmm. you know people say well if, if you're a warden you don't get to deer hunt and yeah our our Time is limited to when we get to hunt. I know a lot of wardens that muzzleloader deer. Yeah, I will say that. <laughs> yeah, they they, they they get take advantage of the yeah, muzzleloader yep. or the archery season. Yep. But I tell people we get to talk to people who have that same passion and interest. So maybe I'm not hunting, but I, I get to hear about the deer stories. Yeah, um, I get to hear about the deer camp, and that in itself is rewarding. Yeah, definitely. I think that's important for hunters in the field to realize too that these guys that are trying to make the hunt safer for you they like to do what you like to do it's it kind of all comes full circle they're they're in that profession because they like they like to do it to that point that they wanted to make it safer for everyone else and make sure it continues so i think that's what that's what a lot of hunters i think need to realize so i I think that may hit home with them more Mm -hmm. hopefully when they hear that so it's kind of a cliche question but if there was one thing you could tell every hunter before heading out into the woods to hunt deer this fall, what, w- what would you tell them? It, it, it really f- focuses on safety. and we, we have a great safety record, but I, I think every time you, you pick up a firearm, you got to think safety. Mm-hmm. And we talk about tab K and, and what that means. And, you know, we could have accident-free hunting seasons if, if folks never lost focus on that safety. And mm-hmm. that doesn't mean... Your, your hunt is spoiled, um, but think about safety. And the other thing I'll, I'll touch on is it's really about the experience, um, being outdoors, being with friends. And, and personally, if, if I get a deer, that's just a bonus to the event. Mm-hmm. And I think reminding people to not get over-consumed and over-focused on getting the, the deer, um, enjoy the experience. Absolutely. So quiz time. What's tab K for anyone listening? <laughs> tab K. Treat every firearm as if it's loaded. So whether you're at home, at your vehicle, in your tree stand, you know, walking down the trail with your hunting partner, um, always point the muzzle in a safe direction. The dangerous part of a gun is the muzzle. That's where the bullet comes out. That's where the projectile comes out. 
So if you have an accidental discharge and that's pointed in a safe direction, we have no injuries, we have no mm -hmm. accidents. Bullet goes to the ground, bullet goes to the air, you know, in a, in a safe area. Mm -hmm. And again, regardless of where you are, probably the, with that particular rule, safety rule, most of it, it's around the vehicles or groups. Because mm -hmm. you, you, you kind of get boxed in with people and it's like, mm -hmm. where do I go with it? And what I recommend is if you're standing around the car talking or having lunch, unload it and set yep. it down. Don't, don't try to carry it. Um, always know your target and beyond. Um, so I think, you know, sometimes, and we've all experienced it, you get focused on that deer and deer coming, you know, you got to take a second and what's beyond that deer? Yep. Is there a road? Is there a car? Is there is your hunting partner over there? Mm -hmm. And then the last is keep your finger off the trigger until you're ready to shoot. Um, and that's really just uh, making sure that you, you don't discharge the firearm when you when it's not safe when you don't have a safe backstop and when your muzzle is not pointed in the safe direction yeah my my hunter safety instructor kind of summed it up by saying that's a moment in time that you cannot take back once that bullet's gone mm -hmm. there's no bringing it back so just think keeping that in mind as you head into the hunting season that's going to make every, a more enjoyable experience yeah. for everybody yeah and it, uh, a shot or an opportunity at a deer or whatever you're hunting is, is not worth the risk of somebody getting hurt. Mm -hmm. And if, if you have to pass on the shot, you have to pass yep. and wait for the next one. Mm -hmm. yep. And on the flip side of the human safety portion, you have being an ethical hunter as well. So you need to be comfortable with that firearm to the point that you can, you can place the projectile exactly where you're aiming it and exactly where it needs to go to have an ethical kill on that animal if you want to be a good, a good hunter. Mm -hmm. essentially yeah you're right you know we, we talk a lot about the laws but the ethics side of being a, a good shot being you know being comfortable with your firearm being uh, being able to hit your target those are a big part of yeah. the hunting experience and for anyone looking to get better at that do we have public ranges things like that no great we have uh, we have a lot of public ranges across the state um, you know southern Wisconsin on DNR property, we got Yellowstone. We we have a contract with the Dane County Range here in Madison. We have the McMiller Range down in southeast yep. part of the Wisconsin. You get into central and northern Wisconsin, we actually have more of them. Uh, they're spaced out a little bit. Um, a lot of public shooting opportunities, and our ranges are about a safe place for people to practice, mm -hmm. people to enjoy, um, you know, recreational shooting, target shooting, or you know, prepare for an upcoming season. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we covered this a bit before, but so for anyone in the field, what do they need to do step by step if they need a warden in the field or if they see something out of the ordinary? If they if they need a warden in the field, um, that what they should do is call the hotline, the, the one eight hundred tip WDNR. Um, you know that that's that's handled. There's an, a, a person on the other end of that phone, twenty four hours a day, three hundred sixty five days out of the year. So that will guarantee you at least to contact mm -hmm. that dispatcher or that call, call. The receiver of the call will determine what your concerns are, determine what your violations are, and based on that, reach out to the, the, the closest warden to mm -hmm. get them to, you know, our first step is to call you, mm -hmm. um, you know, find out what's going on. We, we might be close, we might not be. We might be, you know, across the county, which in some parts of the state might be an hour away. Mm -hmm. So our first follow-up is a call. What's going on? What do you need? You know, maybe get some more information, and then based on that, we'll be able to follow up and respond. 
think one thing to keep in mind too for for uh, people using social media and that kind of thing, it's a great avenue to you know build awareness of some of the stuff that that happens, but. We just flat out cannot be tied to the Facebook page all the time. I see that all the time as the social media coordinator, people reporting the violations. And I just can't stress enough that I, I hope those people are also calling, you know, the tip line to report that stuff because that is the, the best way to guarantee that you're going to be handled. Yeah, and our, our wardens, that's a great point. And the other piece of it is our wardens, knowing that, you know, the, the customers and the hunters are, you know, we work with them. They're, they're always handing out business cards. So a lot of people across the state, you know, may have the cell phone number of their local warden. Mm -hmm. That's another tool. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to let Eric take this last one. We've, we've, I've been kind of turning over in my head thinking about what this may be, but um, Eric, I'll let you hear yeah. this one. So could you just kind of expand on your craziest deer season story? We always talk about one thing. If, if there's one thing that makes people crazy, it's deer. So, what? With that said, what would you say? Boy, that's that's tough. And you're right. Deer make people crazy. Um, they make good friends enemies. They make uh, relatives enemies from time to time. Um, there's all kinds of stories out there. Probably the, the the craziest deer season story, and it was a long time ago, was um, actually there's two very similar ones. Uh, it was deer season. Um, there was a, a group of hunters in a van, who. Uh, I didn't have any successes, so the, the, the hunt was over, the day was over, it was past closing. They were driving uh, home or wherever they were staying, and they, they saw a, a roadkill deer. Um, so they, they want, wanted the deer, so they uh, moved the deer into their van. So we're talking a van, so everything's kind of open, you know. Well, uh, they didn't get too far down the road, and the deer wasn't completely uh, dead at that point in time. <laughs> so the, the deer started to, to come to life and started to move and kick and well you can imagine a, a few people in a van um, traveling down the highway and all of a sudden this deer is coming back to life and uh, so there was a little bit of panic and not sure what to do and uh, thankfully nobody got hurt, nobody got injured. Um, similar, again, deer season. Um, uh, an individual I think actually I recall uh, several years ago had uh, found a an injured deer and was trying to be helpful and thought, well, I'll take it home, which not what we recommend. We, we recommend, you know, leave it, let wildlife be wild. Keep wildlife wild. There you go. <laughs> um, took it home, took it to the basement. Um, same thing. It, it, it kind of started to recover and, and, and actually was able to stand up. and um, So made quite a mess in their basement. Yeah. Um, we responded and were able to um, get it under control and physically haul it back up the stairs of the basement and let it go. We kept it back in the wild, um, <laughs> and it was just fine. It moved on its way and no problems. So that is incredible. There is a movie where there's yep. a scene. Uh, I'm trying to think of the name. Tommy of it. Boy. Yes. Tommy Boy. The, the <laughs> boxy antlers go through the rag top of the convertible. As you're telling that story, that scene is just playing in my mind. So we may have to link to that well, too. Chris Farley had some Wisconsin ties, so yes. maybe it was him in the van. I guess we may never know. It's probably confidential information. But so we're about to wrap up here. Todd, do you have any closing thoughts? I think we've covered a lot, and I hope we we've given a lot of people perspective on the law enforcement side sure. of DNR. 
So do you have any closing thoughts? I think a couple of things. One is, you know, obviously I said it before, safety is a big part of it. We're really what we stress. You know, the, the, the wardens are there as, as your helpers, as your friends, as ambassadors for the things that you're passionate about. Um, you know, yeah, occasionally we do have to write somebody a ticket, and occasionally that, that comes across, but that's really not our focus. We want people to, to know the rules and follow the rules, and uh, which then helps that, that activity and that sport go well into the, into the future. So, um, again, I, we're there to help. We're, we're, we're your friend and we're ambassadors for what you you are passionate about. Mm-hmm. Eric, do you have any closing thoughts? I guess mine would just be that, you know, we kind of touched on it earlier, but everyone's on the same team here. And I would put the passion for wardens as hunters and fishermen right up there with anyone. So I think it's really important for, for people to just keep in mind we're all trying to enjoy our resources together. And, you know, as, as much as we can unify as a group and not, you know, maybe degrade somebody for shooting a deer, or, you know, whatever, the more we can stay on one team, I think we're going to be better off. Mm-hmm. And I, we talked about some rule changes today. Um, and I, as a hunter, I can completely sympathize with other hunters. There have been some rule changes lately, but you need to know that law enforcement staff are in the field to help you and work with you. Um, they're, they're playing by the rules. They've got rules they got to follow, and they're out there to help you. So I think that might be the biggest takeaway. They're not out there to, to pull out a ticket and write it for you. They're out there to kind of help you know the rules and be safe. So we've covered a lot of things. As a reminder, go online to check out the changes for tagging, for baiting and feeding, and for tree, st- tree stands north of Highway 64. Um, that's going to help you get ready for the season. Um, so for, for anyone who hasn't checked out the actual web series at Wild Wisconsin, uh, we actually have one segment with a, with a field warden that I think is going to be extremely helpful. Um, that's with Jake Denar. Actually, he works down in southwest Wisconsin. So be sure to check that out. Um, you can find everything else, um, all the podcasts, all the videos at dnr.wi.gov, keywords Wild Wisconsin. So be sure to check those out. Uh, Todd, thanks for, for your time. I know you're, you're about to get a lot busier here in the next <laughs> few months, uh, putting it lightly. So, um, Sawyer, Eric, and Todd, thanks for watching. Stay tuned for the other ones, and uh, have a safe and successful deer hunt.